0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Circuits of Time, a home for the best in 80s movies. Grab your root beers and let's get rocking.
1: Hello, it's episode 15 of the Circuit of Time podcast. Thanks to everyone for joining us. I am your host, J.D., And I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Jaff Dog. Jaff Dog, good to see you. Another show, another episode to get stuck into.
0: Yes, good to see you too, JD. Another episode, a fresh one. right in the new year now as we enter 2021 with good days ahead. Indeed, and of course, we we said
1: that we wanted to start the new year with a big one. And uh, we've chose one of the big ones, haven't we, for today. But before we get stuck into the film, uh, just a quick Twitter plug. Anyone that's enjoying the show, you can always give us a look on Twitter, at Circuit of Time,
0: give us a look and give us a follow. J-Dog, any movie news this week? Look, J-D, there's one, there's one thing we can certainly celebrate with all of this Open the new year. There is a Legally Blonde 3 on its way. Oh, well, let's put that on the
1: calendar. <laughs> one of the things I was going to mention, and I mentioned it on Twitter in the week,
0: is we lost Marion Ramsey, a.k.a. Hooks from Police Academy. Ah, uh, she uh, was a fine one, wasn't she, in those films? One of the best. Good old hooks, eh? You know, you always wonder with these character actors or people who've been in a film like that, whatever happened to them. And I can certainly remember having these conversations with you, J.D., about, you know, what has happened to someone or, or where is someone else? And then when the internet came along, you know, we were able to find out that uh, David Graff had passed away. I think it was around about that time as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, some of the, and some of these people who you think, aren't with us anymore actually still are with us. That's right. I mean, I remember the days when we first
1: discovered IMDB. In fact, I think we were supposed to be doing IT at the time, but we were always on the Internet Movie Database. And I do remember we stumbled upon the David Graff news. But yeah, there goes another one from Police Academy. This is the problem, you see, as we enter this new decade. It's like all those people in the 80s now were... Well, they're old age. She was in the 70s, but... Ah, well, anyway. No more doom and gloom. Let's uh, get into a more positive mode as we get stuck into our film and you may know it from the following song slash sound And, of course, if you didn't get it from that. J-Dog, what's the film we'll be talking about this week? The one, the only, one of the best, The Karate Kid. One of the best around.
0: Tell us some facts about The Karate Kid. Some brief facts. OK, so The Karate Kid, J-D, was released in the hallowed of all years, 1984. It's a martial arts action drama. It made $90 million, the box office, off an $8 million budget, which is uh, very good to start with. But, of course, the film has gone on to be great success beyond, so I'm sure it's made an awful lot more than that. It was written by Robert Kamen, or Carmen. Now, you might not be familiar with that name. However, he wrote all three of the Karate Kid films. He also had a lot of work on uh, rewriting scripts, so he did Treatments of Under Siege and The Fugitive, he also wrote the screenplay for Lethal Weapon 3, The Devil's Own in 1997, Fifth Element, Devil's Advocate, Kiss of the Dragon, the early 2000s, The Transporter, and also he wrote Taken. So that will be that's almost like his uh, his new lease of uh, life, as it were, in the in the late, uh, what would you call those, the Tens, the Noughts? Something like that. <laughs> and it was directed by John G. Avildsen. Are you familiar with that name, J.D.? I'm not actually, uh, only through the Karate Kid. Okay, well, if I said to you that he'd also directed another film where somebody, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks had defeated the odds and eventually in a ring had fought against an opponent, and he might not have actually defeated that opponent, but he won the hearts of the crowd. It was Rocky? He did direct Rocky, yes. He also left the series after that, only to return to direct. Rocky Five, Whether that was a good wow. movie or not, we don't know.
1: <laughs> wow. But, you know, I, why was I under the impression that Sylvester Stallone...
0: He, did Sylvester Stallone write Rocky, not direct it? He, he wrote it. He didn't direct it. But he may have directed later episodes in the series. Sure, he directed the fourth one. I might be wrong there, J.D. Mm, but a monster hiss, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It, it knocked out uh, the crowd to the box office.
1: And yet it was one of those uh, films that it was, you know, I think from my research, it was kind of passing around the fair bit, and people were kind of not sure whether it would relate to audiences. But obviously that those worries weren't obviously well placed because it obviously smashed all the records. But let, let's get stuck into the film anyway. Movie
0: synopsis. OK, so what's the Karate Kid all about? Daniel, played by Ralph Macho is our hero of the film. And he has moved away from New Jersey, from the East Coast to the West Coast to live in Southern California with his mother. Uh, he finds that he becomes a target of a group of uh, bullies who are also learning karate, unfortunately for Daniel, at the nearby dojo, which is called the Cobra Kai. And he gets into some arguments and fights in schools with these people and he crosses paths with them because there's a love interest there called Ali. Eventually, Daniel learns that he's going to need to stand up for himself. So after he meets this mysterious a janitor who's called Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi eventually agrees to train Daniel in karate himself. And we learn a lot about Mr. Miyagi. We learn, we learn a lot about Daniel. Daniel learns a lot about himself until eventually it culminates in a battle between Daniel and the Cobra Kai at the All-Valley Karate Championships. Well put, well put. Let's talk about the opening
1: scenes of the film because it's not long before we're already in receiver in Los Angeles. And uh, Daniel's introduced quite quickly to Mr Miyagi, who is, uh, in fact, he's, he's labelled as the fix-it guy in the apartments, isn't he? And of course, he goes on to fix quite a lot, and not just the bike and, and things like that, but Daniel's life ultimately, doesn't he? But the first time we're introduced to him, he's actually got the chopsticks and he's trying to catch the fly. (laughs) Um, In fact, I I think I read, um, because there's obviously the scene with uh, Daniel, where Daniel, later on in the film, tries to catch the fly with the chopsticks. And they were talking about how long or how that scene was achieved. My understanding, well, if if you asked me to have guessed, I'd have said there wasn't even a fly there. It was just added in post-filming in the editing suite. But no, I think it was like a fly on a string and when it was ready to catch it, he was supposed to clasp the chopsticks, and someone pulls the string. <laughs> Don't so work anyway. Uh, and then, of course, as you say, he meets the uh, love interest, Ali, who is the rich girl. She's from the rich side of town, as is Johnny. And and that kind of you know we get that clash quite a lot in the film. It's not just you know um, this new kid versus you know the kids that are the the popular ones in school. But he's from a different part of town. He looks different. He, he's poor, isn't he?
0: He's just not fitting in yeah we see that when he first goes on the date with Ali and he goes to pick her up in his mom, his mum's car and it breaks down it's very embarrassing when he first knocks on the door her mum and dad Ali's mum and dad in their huge palatial home look him up and down you know they've just got back from the country club and they've got <laughs> they've got the track seats on with a towel around the neck you know and the squash bag or whatnot and when he when dad finds out that he's from Reseda, He's got this look of just horror on his face. Now, I don't know much about uh, neighbourhoods <laughs> in California, but I'm going to presume here, go out on a limb, uh, to think that Reseda is the, is a rougher part of town, whereas, in- is it Encino, perhaps? Where he they- where where is. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, uh, Ralph is, Reseda. Um, so so Daniel comes from Reseda. Yeah poor area. I think Ali's from Encino. Right. I might be wrong. But there's that clash straight away, isn't
1: it?
0: Oh um, yeah, you've got the two, you've got the, the two different uh, sides of the coin, almost. The the, the rough, and, rough and ready, Daniel. Bit, uh, rough around the edges, but a lot of charm. Uh, clearly not got much money because when they first move into their apartment, there's all sorts of things wrong. There's a leaky tap and whatnot. And then compare that with Ali, who for some inexplicable reason, just has this attraction, doesn't she? To Daniel. When she first sees him on the beach and he it's f- Inexplicable, okay. that's a bit cruel cool to Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let me put this the other way. Well, when I say inexplicable inexplicable, what I mean is, she's she was in a relationship with Johnny, as we found out very early in the film. And Johnny is clearly from one of these well-to-do families because he's at the country club dance in his smart suit. So you know, a girl like that. I know it's the stuff of uh, fairy tales and stories and things like that, where um, you know the the girl from the nice area goes out with the boy from the poor area. But in many, in I hate to say, it, but you know, real life. <laughs> <is> <laughs> like so, what, so what you're saying to any hopeful kids is give up? <laughs> you no, know, what I'm saying it it feels cool. hopeful. <laughs> just a, just an, a, an addendum what i would say is don't rely on someone to uh <laughs> what am i trying to say i've no idea you've just the <laughs> <poor lad. laughs> okay okay if, if you're gonna if you're going to make it make it yourself don't rely on someone else to do it for you
1: okay we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. that um but yeah i know what you're saying and, and of course ali's parents as you say, they look him up and down, and in fact, at one point later in the film, when Ali actually hits Johnny for forcibly kissing her, uh, they actually ask Johnny, "Is he okay?" It, it's, a, it's a really strange scene, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that as we get get further into the film. Because, of, of course, at this point, we've already had the first conflict with Daniel and Johnny on the beach. Um, after what I, has got to be the five most cringy, cringeworthy minutes of flirting I think I've ever seen, and movie history with the uh, the soccer and uh, the eyes across the campfire. It's really cheesy, but it, it seems to work for Ali. I mean, as I say, it's inexplicable, but it works. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Johnny turns up, and, and it's then that we find out that um, Ali's broke up with him, uh, which he obviously isn't too pleased that. We have the, the fight. He throws the radio down. And then, of course, Ralph Michio or Daniel San We'll start Daniel defends it. He's the only one that kind of intervenes, isn't he? And that's the first point in the film when we start to see that this kid's got a bit something about
0: him. Yeah, I think one of the things I picked up on there in that particular scene is uh, if you're not used to the norms and things like that, then you can step out of the boundaries really easily. So, for example, this fear that Cobra Kai holds over people, obviously people are scared of them because they know who they are And they know what they do and where they go and who trains them. Daniel doesn't know these from Adam. So he's just like, what are you doing? I'm going to defend this girl. I think if he knew who they were straight away, he wouldn't have been so bold in his actions straight away. But then that tells us something about Daniel. You know, he is from the other side of the tracks and he, he will stand up for himself. You know, we see the area, don't we, for a couple of seconds, probably seconds really, where he does come from densely packed together places. You know, this kid probably knows how to fight. But when we do see him first start to fight, he does this weird sort of almost like a 19th century pugilistic <laughs> awesome moves with his with his fists up, something like that. And I'm afraid to say that his his hand movements don't uh, get much... Well, they get a little bit more refined.
1: <laughs> but it, it's, it's interesting because if you haven't seen the karate kid in a long time... You wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't frown upon anyone that thought that um, Daniel only does karate or likes karate because Mr Miyagi shows it to him. But of course, Daniel has an interest in karate before he meets Mr Miyagi. In fact, it's only because Mr Miyagi, I think he's having a, uh, as mum, he comes home, doesn't have to be assaulted or attacked by the Cobra Kai's. And he's he's got this big cut on his head and he he says the words, I got to take karate. And that's when he—it's overhead in the little side room. Wherever is that, Mister Miyagi's office? Is it? Yeah, it's probably the the janitors' or uh, office, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and of course, when he comes round to fix the leaky faucet, he's practicing karate in the room. So there's already a, an interest in karate before Mister Miyagi's even on the scene. Well, he
0: says, Daniel says back to his mom. Um, you know, she says, "We got your lessons," and he says, "No, I don't mean down at the YMCA." I mean, real lessons with a real teacher or something like that. Yeah. What did you think of the, the early exchanges with
1: Daniel and Mr Miyagi? There's almost... Uh, would you say that Daniel's rude to him in some sense? There's quite a few scenes in the film where he's a bit uh, abrupt, isn't he? I know, obviously, it changes the dynamics of the film, uh, comes full circle, but he's quite dismissive, isn't he, at first?
0: Yeah, I think he's just thinking he's just this little silly old man, you know, a bit weird, a bit strange doesn't really want to have anything to do with him and so treats him a little bit almost like he's, uh, well, he's very wary of him and suspicious at first. You know, everybody's a bit wary and people at first, but he seems to be, you know, openly sort of dismissive, like you said. And then, of course, he comes back
1: one day, doesn't he, uh, late at night, and he sees that the bike, the way, which had been damaged after falling down the, the well, the hillside, uh, had been fixed by Mr Miyagi.
0: So this has had, had the the boys succeeded in what they wanted to do, they'd be facing a murder charge. <laughs> you know, this kid, with he goes, he flips over the bike, almost breaks his neck. But yeah, Mr. Miyagi fixes his bike for him and he does that without any prompting or anything like that. So, you know, Daniel starts to develop trust and inqu- he's inquisitive then about him and who he is. And, and of course, that's,
1: the point of the movie from then on when he goes from the mysterious neighbor to the wise mentor absolutely one of the best around oh yeah we're going to say that one a lot <laughs> 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 but you know it's interesting you say about the the cobras could have been charged for you know attempted murder i mean it's certainly bullying right off the bat um even the copers themselves i I won't talk too much about that now uh we we, will discuss it at the end when we get into the characters but they're kind of um how would you describe it are they really bad lads are they misguided is it all about crease is it the sensei i think miyagi at one point says the line doesn't he and no bad students only bad teacher
0: that's exactly what i was thinking of jd actually The, the that line is so prophetic in the sense that it it's it shows Mayagi's values, but it also tells us a lot about these kids. Deep down, these uh, youngsters who are in the Cobra Kai, they know that what they're doing is wrong. But it comes down to this mentality because it doesn't have the madness of crowds almost. So where you've got groups of people and when they're being told to do something by someone who's given them permission to do it, they feel obliged to do it. And it just goes to show how people are quite easily manipulated. And in a way, this John Crease. War hero, though he may be, and we don't find out much about his service in Vietnam, as far as I know, certainly not in the first film. But he's he's essentially using these children, these youngsters, as an ego boost. It's not about teaching them karate. It's about making him feel better about himself. By the way, they also learn how to be tough fighters, show no mercy, you know, this sort of thing. And that attitude and mentality is good to have when you are learning a martial art in terms of not backing down and standing up for yourself but he pushes it over the edge into some sort of ego trip for him and he he is almost breeding out of those kids the values he, he's treating it like a like a military mission when people face yes military they get all of the everything kicked out of them to be rebuilt back up again and it's almost like he's trying to do that with them but these kids you know karate is only a part of the life they know they've got to live a life. They know that they've got to do the right thing. Johnny does the right thing in the end. Uh, Bobby is another character who kicks Daniel in the leg towards the end. Now, he jumps down on the floor as soon as he's done that and says, I'm sorry, Daniel, I didn't mean to. And it, if I don't know about you, but it feels really sincere to me when he does that. Meanwhile, Creese has stood at the stand side, arms folded with a big smirk on his face. So I do believe wholeheartedly that it is, No such thing as bad bad students, only bad teacher, definitely. Yeah. And, of of course, you know, the
1: kids are in some ways oblivious because it's actually worked for them. Johnny is the All Valley champion for the last two years. So they're succeeding with this kind of philosophy, aren't they, of no mercy, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Yeah, they're also the most popular kids in school as well, aren't they? Yeah. So not long after that, there's a Halloween party, which uh, Daniel doesn't have a costume, um, and again, the fix-it guy, Mr Miyagi, fixes the situation again. Uh, he gives Daniel the shower curtain costume. Uh, it's a hell of a costume, isn't it? And, of course, that's the first point in the film,
0: I suppose you could say, where Daniel gets some revenge. Yeah, he, he again, coming back to the beach scene, Daniel, he's, he's he sticks up for himself on the beach. And even though when he learns that these kids are from the Cobra Kai, he does, he pulls a bit of a prank on them, doesn't he? What does he do? Pour something over the top of the cubicle or something?
1: Jo- Johnny's in the cubicle and there's like, I don't know what the hose is or why it's there, but he, he, he hangs it over the top of the cubicle and it, it drenches him. There doesn't seem to be a lot of water coming out, but when Johnny leaves the cubicle, it's like he's had a shower. <laughs> um, and then of course the, it leads to the chase and they. That, I think that's the, is that the one where they knock down the hill? I'm not quite sure. But no, ultimately no. The, end, the, the end of that conflict is when we first... See Mr.
0: Miyagi, the karate master. Now I might be getting this wrong, JD, but I think the scene with the bike comes a lot earlier, as we talked about. That's when they chase. Yes, him. he fixes the bike, doesn't he? Yeah, that's when they chase him up against the the fence, and he can't climb over it, and they catch that's him. Right. And then, as they're just about to uh, de- destroy him, um, <laughs> M- Miyagi comes jumping over the fence and kicks ass. He
1: does, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Because it, it should be ridiculous that this uh, really short guy, clearly in his older years, or at least that's how he's presented in the film. Um, I'm sure he was quite a lot younger when they filmed it, but um, it, it should be almost amusing that he's, he's he's taken out all these Black Belt Cobra guys. But the way it's filmed and, and the way it, it it's executed, it doesn't, does it? No, he,
0: he <laughs> he's definitely the victor at the end of it, not the victim. Uh, but I do wonder whether he'd be up on a assault charges next day. Yeah, I suppose. And then, of course, that's
1: the point at which Mr. Miyagi really knows firsthand what Daniel's been dealing with. And of course, Mr. Miyagi then has a bit of a vested interest. He decides to take Daniel on and, and in, in fact to go to the dojo, don't he? To confront Chris and the Cobras. And that's the I think that's the point in the film when we see the poster
0: for the all valley karate championships yeah and just um, the just point on the co- the cobra kai dojo itself um there's that picture of crease on the wall in uh, in the forces but before that there's a there's a life-size cut out of crease <laughs> so he's a bit of a narcissist isn't he <laughs> definitely
1: yeah um so this he makes a deal doesn't he he says you know um five against one's too much for anyone um Daniel's going to enter the tournament uh, and on the condition that you leave him alone for the next two months to train. And then we have half an hour of... Um, I suppose you could describe it as the most... Well, it's not your conventional training programme, is it? But it's a, it's a joy to watch, isn't it? It
0: is a joy to watch, but before that actually happens, I just wanted to pick up on something that Chris actually says to um <laughs> to Daniel, Mr. Miyagi, uh, just to show how serious this guy is. He says something like... If we win, it's open season on you too. What does that mean? Are you going to kill them? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, what is it with the Californian teens and the old psychopathic murders? We've got Biff Tannen, who wants to run uh, Calvin Klein over and crush him. And then, of course, we have the
1: training. J-Dog gets the um, wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence. I mean, put yourself in Daniel's shoes here. This is a, a, a still a relatively unknown guy, by all respects. You've only known him for a few weeks. You're new to town. And you're relying on him to help you train you for a karate tournament in two months. And you go to his house, and he has you waxing his cars, painting his fences, painting his houses. What would you have done in this? You,
0: you'd have buggered off, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think by, I, I'd have realised just that I was being exploited at first. Um... I might have done it a little bit sooner than Daniel does, four days or something like that. He spends doing all these jobs. Uh, what does that tell? Us, what does that tell us about Daniel? He's persistent and he's committed to things. But I guess that's part of the test, isn't it? Oggy's mm. testing him to see: Are you willing to do this, knowing full well that I might be taking advantage of you here? Because it doesn't let him in on the fact that all of this is training until he goes to to punch him. Uh, not obviously as part of the training, not not for fun. So, with all of these actions which people do remember from the film forty years down the line? Wax, you know, wax on, wax off. Mention that to anyone. That's exactly what people remember. Uh, but actually, I remember when I first started training karate, and there was none of that. <laughs> it was thrown in at the deep end and just doing the same as everybody else from <laughs> day one. And I must admit, at first, I uh, didn't really fancy it. But I've been doing it now for about uh, three and a half years, something like that. And what belt are you now? A purple belt. So for anybody who's not too familiar with karate, it's about an intermediate level. Brown and then black. Fantastic. So you're probably about the same level as
1: uh, Dutch, who doesn't make it past the quarters. Is it the (laughs) quarters you're going down (laughs) (laughs) there? So the training's going on, and Mr Miyagi, then, obviously, as you said, throws punches and kicks and Daniel blocks every single one. He's a
0: karate he's expert, isn't he, after painting the house? He is, yeah. I mean, and we all they all those years that I've been doing it so far and all I should have done is just painted the back fence. Yeah,
1: pretty much. You missed out, mate. All those classes you paid for. And, of course, we also see the first look, or uh, it happens twice in the film, but the first case of the Miyagi hand rub, uh, which I know might sound a bit strange when you put it like that. Um, and <laughs> But but uh, that's the point when obviously it's meant to be it's meant to be a bit of a suspension
0: of belief. But Miyagi has um, healing hands. This film stands the test, I and mean, we we'll can talk about this in legacy later. This film stands the test of time against a lot of films made in that era, where they, I hate to say it, but there was a lot of you know sort of like Far East mysticism in there, uh, which nowadays can be seen as a, a bit insensitive. And there's not a massive amount of that in this film, apart from that—that that rub your hands together and rub them on the leg, or whatever it is, shoulder, or whatever it is that he does. You know, I think that looking back at that now in hindsight, it's a bit of a—it's lo- a bit of a step too far in terms of that. Oh, hes, he's Asian, therefore there must be something mysterious about him. You know, <laughs> I've got and, to say I, I didn't pick up on that. Before. It's
1: insane. I'm just <laughs> Um, but the training continues anyway And um, they eventually end up at the beach And it's here that we first see the crane kick Which, if you remember, growing up in school Every kid was doing it at some point, weren't they?
0: Yeah, the, the correct term would, would be a a My Toby Geri. And uh, if you're wondering whether that's a legitimate kick Or a, a normal kick in karate That's not something that we're taught uh, <laughs> it, was, it was created by the writer of the film uh, for for it. Maya's front, Getty's kick, Toby, not too sure, but anyway, sure, maybe that's Crane, I don't know, but yeah, Heck that's no. that we practice. <laughs> Good to know.
1: Following that, if you recall, um, after the beach scene, there's a, a scene with, in the house, in, in fact, you could argue it's the strongest scene in the movie, certainly on an emotional level, and it's the scene where Mr Miyagi's drunk, and it's a very... Uh, informative scene it's, it's got so many layers and it's not just through what's said it's also what's shown it's such a well-executed scene um you know the scene where Mr Miyagi's drunk and Daniel comes he turns up and he's singing um I'd like to talk about it as one of my favorite scenes later JD absolutely we can do we can um but just whilst we're on it it's it, it was just how it was dressed up because that's the first point isn't it where we see he's in uniform um, and you see the medals and things like that. So I, I won't go too much into it. If you've got some stuff to say about favourite scenes, that's fine. But I, I suppose the point i was trying to make is that the film goes a little bit deeper at that point. It, it, it kind of softens the edges of Mr Miyagi. Uh, it gives him a bit of personality, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, much more depth to the character in this. And then I'd say from that point on, uh, we definitely know we're dealing with the special film.
1: And of course, it kind of changes how you feel about the dynamic with daniel and mr miyagi because because of what we find out in the scene which is that um <clears throat> mr miyagi's wife dies in childbirth that was the son he never had and i, I almost think he, he sees daniel as this kind of uh not a replacement but kind of as an opportunity to be that son he never had i agree 100 jd if you recall after that daniel actually starts to train himself that Interestingly enough, he starts to take some initiative. Um, in fact, we see him at the beach, don't we, on the stumps, uh, learning the crane kick himself. It's funny, isn't it? You, you, you see that happen, but you still get a surprise when he pulls it off at the end of the film. It's, it's cleverly inserted because it's kind of just... It's not so much a montage, but it's kind of just one of those training sequences with a bit of music. It's almost just a throwaway. You know, you see Mr Miyagi as this inspiration. I'm going to try and do what he does. But it's kind of a, a little bit of a clue, I suppose, as to what comes at the end of the film—a uh, little nod—and of course, the, the relationship with Mr. Miyagi is developed further that on his birthday, and that's the scene when Mr. Miyagi gives him a gi. Is it a gi? We pronounce it Yeah. yeah. And it, obviously, it's got the emblem, which was made by Mrs. Miyagi, and of course, he gets a car. I mean, that, that's one hell of a birthday. I mean, did he choose the right car when you when you look back at that? That banana-yellow monstrosity? I'm not sure. H- Herbie rides again. <laughs> Daniel-san ride again. I actually felt really guilty for Mr Miyagi because, you know, he'd gone to all this effort. he got a cake and everything, Daniel just kind of left him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Didn't he go to take the girl out? No, it, he said his mum was preparing something and he, he'd forgotten. Uh, like, it was a surprise birthday, and he, he knew about it, but it was just that, what, the lengths that Mr Miyagi had gone to. But... Even just more, following that. He had the lot. He, he, he pulled out no, no expense spared. But there's a bit just before he leaves when Daniel gets in the car and Daniel turns to him and says something. Do you remember what he says? No, J.D. He says to Mr. Miyagi, you're the best friend I've ever had. Oh. Um, do you not remember that now? No. <laughs> it just kind of takes the relationship up a level, isn't it? I mean, we kind of feel it ourselves as the audience we can see that it's a special relationship but the acknowledgement from daniel you can see what it means to mr miyagi just by his eyes and that was the thing about pat Maricia wasn't it or pat marita how do you pronounce his name i think it's marita he does a lot of acting with his face doesn't he in this film and, and it was so powerful
0: yeah you're right there i mean the very very last shot of the film is one that sticks in my mind can you remember it I can. It's just the Miyagi nod of we approval, a
1: smile. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm with you. I love it. And then, of course, uh, moving on, we have the the date with Daniel and Ali. Or it's the second date, isn't it? Oh, oh I think this is the one where they kind of both trying to make up. I think Daniel had seen Johnny uh, forcibly kissing Ali at the um, country club and kind of got the wrong end of the stick. Uh, he didn't see how it all ended. So obviously he. He goes to meet up for a second date. By the way, it, the worst movie kiss ever. I don't know <laughs> if you thought that. I mean, Daniel eats that for doesn't He's <laughs> been yeah, well, really
0: a- chasing her for a while, hasn't he? They? they go to a place yeah. called Golf and Stuff, which is uh, where they play crazy golf and arcade games and arcade machines and things like that great soundtrack you know even on those date scenes
1: it's just every song's great isn't it yeah i don't know if you felt that and then of course we, we arrive at the tournament the training uh the two months of training's over he has come to the uh all valley tournament and this is when we find out some of the rules don't we everything is everything above waist is a point isn't it yeah uh the head the sternum the kidneys and the ribs and then following that we have possibly the greatest we've gone from the worst movie kiss ever We're moving on to possibly the greatest movie song ever with the You're the Best Around montage. And then we have five glorious minutes of of, of fights and karate. I mean, considering karate, you wouldn't say it's a mainstream uh, sport, would you? I mean, obviously, it, it may be considered cool following the release of The Karate Kid, but to kind of sell that tournament, which was just filmed in a gymnasium with school kids, with the hype that it clearly has, it's all credit to the filmmakers
0: and the soundtrack, isn't it? Oh, definitely, and yeah, It builds it up into something, like, rocky. <laughs> um, yeah. The thing about the uh, martial arts is they, they had a massive boom in the 1970s after Bruce Lee, and then that died down. And then when this film, film came out, uh, karate in particular really took off. So a lot of people who were in there... Uh, 50s and 60s now, I know from first-hand experience. Many of those picked it up around about the time that this film was on because they would have been quite young or just looking for something to start and the popularity of it from the middle of 80s onwards, it did did die down again, of course, like all things do, but it's still plenty of places to train, definitely. So
1: we eventually arrived at the semi-final, um, which is LaRusso versus Bobby Brown. Um, No relation to, not the ex Husband no. of Whitney Houston, of course. <laughs> There's two soundtracks, <laughs> um, and that's the point in the film when crease tells Bobby to put Daniel um, out of commission, and uh, it's it, that's the important point in the film for me because it's the first time you see a look of concern on Johnny's face. The, I suppose it's people often say it's the sweep the leg moment when when Johnny kind of does that look to sensing, and it's great. You know, you can see the fear in that scene as well. But prior to that, the semi-final, that's the first time you see Johnny look at the sensei and think, you know, this is bad. This is not what we're here for. We
0: we do hate this kid, but we still want to play by the rules to an extent. Well, Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't follow by the rules, what's the point in playing it? Because, all right, you might win it on a technicality of some sort. But, but really, I mean, it's about your heart, isn't it? And, and doing it right. So for me personally, cheating and not playing by the rules is... Is wrong. Maybe I just sound like like too much of a goody two shoes, but it, you just, do it but it takes away the value. But then I guess films like this love to play up on that. They don't think people will win by any cost. They'll bully anyone to get what they want. And this, that, and the other. But you're right. There are many looks from uh, Billy Zabka's face uh, towards towards jo- uh, towards Chris, as if to say, or thing, this is wrong." Yeah. He doesn't want to stand up to him though, because this guy is unstable and this is a guy who's kind of
1: making decisions on the hunch, he's seeing what's happening and he's thinking, just from the gut let's just hate this guy Um, because of course Mr Miyagi says early on in the film, doesn't he, he points to his, his head and his heart and he says, karate here karate here and then he points to his stomach and goes, karate never here or something, doesn't he Yeah, because and obviously Chris is complete um,
0: opposite of that, doesn't he yeah, he does that because Daniel says, oh you know karate what belt are you so he's saying, ah, you know, a belt's something that holds your trousers up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Mr. Miyagi is an amusing character, isn't he? Yeah. Um, that's part of the reason why the relationship works. Does this play off one another? In well, fact, there's
0: that scene, yeah. isn't there? When... In the, on the, you mentioned the beach before, when they're in the boat and he's balancing yes. the, the boat. And Miyagi's laughing his head off. And he says something <laughs> like, you know, you can't balance though, can you? <laughs> he's standing <laughs> in the water. He's rolling around on the boat, <laughs> and of course, following the um,
1: the illegal kick by Bobby, um, Daniel is out of commission. Um, at least as far as the the doctors concerned, or whoever that medical guy is. But he just says, "I'll you know I'll inform the judges." And basically, alludes to the the fact that he's going to be ruled out. Is he and Johnny's going to be declared by default the third time all Valley champion? But lo and behold, we have. The Miyagi hand rub, part two. <laughs> I will stop calling. I will stop calling it the Miyagi hand rub. <laughs> um, but you know the hand rub does its job once again.
0: Yeah, he uh, does move on him, and then all
1: of a sudden he comes out. He has he's limps a little bit, and then he's he's pissed. a little gingerly. <laughs> he's a little gingerly. <laughs> um, but th- that scene is so eighties, isn't it? When uh, Ali runs out to the judge, and it's not so much a private conversation that. The guy with the microphone just has to say it out loud, doesn't he? Daniel LaRusso is going to fight! Yeah. But we, the audience, we love that, don't we?
0: Yeah, There's my, the smile on my face was ear-to-ear ear during that scene again. Now, the final itself, I mean, the whole film has led to that
1: face-off, hasn't it? In fact, I remember when I was watching it the other day, I kind of paused it because I wanted to get myself a quick drink, um, and I paused it on the scene just as the referee is about to say, fight, or whatever the noise he makes... And if you watch that back, that is such an iconic shot. And if you ever get the chance to watch the karate game again, just pause it just before the referee says fight. Because you can just see, it's almost like a movie poster, how it's all built. You see the backdrop of the tournament and who's got through and the referee's in the middle of them. These two are either side. You can see uh, Billy Zabka's totally flat-footed. He's not interested in karate. It's all about just hurting and the fist. And Daniel's got this balanced pose. He's almost on his toes. Slight knee bend. It's fantastic. The mise-en-scene, as you like to sometimes point out, if you are interested in that, I, I honestly ask you, just pause that scene. It's
0: really good. you um, watch it back again, JD. Obviously, the, the director has framed everything, and the cinematographer framed everything in that shot deliberately. You know, nothing happens by chance. So that just says a lot about the, the, the skill and the effort that they put into making that, because if that's stuck in your head in that way, obviously, they've done their job in a way that's had an effect on you. And that's what you want films to do. You know, what you want a movie to move you. Totally.
1: Now, here's the surprise. LaRusso goes two up in the final. No one expected that, especially given, you know, his injury. But he's winning. Um, and, of course, that is the point in the film when we possibly get the most famous line from all of Karate Kid, um, when Johnny goes up to Sensei, who wipes the blood from his nose and says, sweep the leg. And again, I, I go back to what we said earlier. We see the fear in Johnny's face. He's no longer the the jerk from school. He's he's scared of his sensei, isn't he? He's worried about what he's asking him to do.
0: Yeah, he says something like but sensei. And he's just saying, you know, sweep the leg. He's looking at him. He says, You he says, Sensei? He goes, You have a problem with that.
1: That's and it. And he says, No, Sensei. Um, I mean, what is what is sweep the leg? I know it it sounds like a ludicrous question, but what what's he asking him to do there? It, it, it I assume it's just it's not something that would get you disqualified, is it? Because he doesn't. No, it. I guess he's just referring to the fact that he's saying knock him off balance and then hit him. Yeah. Um. So it's not cheating, but it, it. I suppose you could call it unsportsmanlike fighting. Um. And of course that 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 obviously gets the fight to two. 2 It's funny, you know, when you're watching a back at two two. Johnny actually does land a strike to the face, and I always want to ask the question. I've, I've always wanted to know why isn't it counted? Um, and maybe it's just me being ignorant to the rules of karate. But my understanding is a a strike to the face is a point. Um, I, I, it's certainly what, it certainly is
0: earlier in the montage. So I, I don't know why it's not counted in this fight. I couldn't tell you much about being honest, JD, because this is one of the things. Much like Daniel, we see him doing his. Uh, we see him practicing his moves but we don't actually see him before this doing any kumite, which is sparring fighting with other people and personally i've not got any experience of that so i couldn't tell you what the rules are per se and i know i sound like a poor karate student (laughs) by saying that but i'm going to be entirely honest and i'm not sure why but you are right does daniel lose points at some point for uh, stepping out of the ring or running back? Or something like that. Gets for. I, think the, I think the referee gives him a warning. Um,
1: but but ultimately, a 2-2, there's, there's just a point when Johnny strikes him in the face. So if, listen, if any of our listeners uh, know, then give us a, a, a kind of a, a shout. Let us know why, why that's not counted. Um, and then Johnny, obviously, it's the back of the leg, which is an illegal move. And you think that's it. It's kind of all gone to crap. He's, he's going to lose the fight. But then we have the greatest moment in movie history. And it is the crane kick. And 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 it's just it's not just the fact that Daniel wins, the way that scene plays out, the build-up, that crescendo, that music, the way the camera cuts to Miyagi and he does the nod, And 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 even William Zapke to his credit, the way he sells that crane kick, everything about that scene is perfect the execution of it was flawless um it just couldn't have gone better i agree so after that um well johnny gives him the trophy doesn't he uh we were mentioning this before about uh, whether you'd call it like the redemption of the cobras but they clearly that's the success isn't it it's not the fact that daniel's won the tournament which is great and we all want to see it as moviegoers but the success of the film is danny's kind of
0: been accepted almost yeah, he says something like, "You're all right, you LaRusso. The second he's just been booted in the face. By the way, you know he doesn't go down like a pro wrestler uh, on the deck. <laughs> he just he, yeah. If it happened if it happened in real life, he'd be getting pulled. Back. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and grabs the, the huge trophy off the off the guy, the announcer, doesn't he? And he thrusts it at him. Interestingly enough, in
1: um, um, Cobra Kai and, and you know, or, or kind of, even in pop culture, it's kind of discussed whether that's an illegal kit. And Johnny kind of plays on that in Cobra Kai, uh, which is obviously a bit strange because at the end of the Karate Kid, he doesn't have those sentiments, does he? But anyway, we'll be um, segueing too much there. But
0: shall we move on to some of our trivia? Yeah, well, before we do that though, JD, because we have sort of uh, uh, cracked the shell or opened the lid on the Pandora's box, that is the continuation of the Karate Kid in Cobra Kai. Uh, I was watching an episode recently where they were discussing allowing Cobra Kai back into the All Valley Championships. And as they're discussing it... They... Hang on, late, spoiling Spoiler, later. Spoiler later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't quite mention the fact that Johnny did uh, give the trophy to Daniel. They say, oh, you know, everything that is stood for, this, that and the other. But really, it was John Crease who was the baddie. And, uh, you know, Johnny did do the right thing at the end of that film. Although, did. at the start of the second film when they go and confront them outside that's a whole other different ball game isn't it
1: and we'll talk about that shortly because they come up in our listener feedback but moving on let's get into some of our trivia. Did you know Pat Marisa was um initially turned down for the role of Mr Miyagi um, which seems almost ludicrous now obviously following the following the up uh, the success he had uh, but having been on happy days and other light-hearted 80s of television, the producer, um, who was a guy by the name of Jerry Weintraub, um, felt the audience wouldn't take him seriously. And the first choice was actually uh, Tashiro Mifune. or oh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Now, do you know who that man is?
0: Yeah, I've seen him. Ugh. Uh, I'll give you a clue.
1: He worked uh, a lot with Kurosawa. Yeah. Was
0: there uh, a, he a uh, he... baby cart at the River Styx or something uh, like
1: that? Does that make Shogun Assassin or something?
0: Um, I'm talking more about the kind of films where someone gets their arm chopped sp- off and a, and a you know a jet of blood. Flies out. That's I remember a- those films. Yeah, they used to be on Bravo at like 11 p.m. on British TV. <laughs> I remember them.
1: But no, he was he he, worked, he was he was in lots of films, but most notably with Kurosawa on films like Seven Samurai and Rashomon. Vampire,
0: yeah.
1: um, and I'm sure it would have been an inspired choice. But it, it, it's funny, isn't it? We we come across these often. Um, uh, about people who were never offered the role first, and and obviously our change history. You you couldn't imagine
0: the karate kid now with without Pat Morita. No, God bless him. He was he was one of a kind. Interesting that you say about you know he'd been known for comedy before, and yes, he was. He was in Happy Days, so they probably took one look at him and thought he's a comedy guy. But my goodness, the drama in this film that we get out of Pat Morita. Am
1: I right? Did he get an Oscar nod for this film? I think he did. Oh, did he? I didn't know. I think he did. Um, But speaking of the Oscars, I remember the year he passed. And every year at the Oscars, they always have that um, five, ten-minute segment, the in-memoriam. And it shows you the people that they've lost over the previous 12 months. And I'll never forget the year when he appeared on it. Because obviously you get like a, a scattering of applause following each person. When Pat Morita came on the screen, there was an audible cheer. And if you ever want to watch it back, I'd, I'd advise you to on YouTube, it shows you just how highly thought of this man was. And you could just say, I mean, it must be because of the Karate Kid. Mr Miyagi is such a beloved
0: character. Look how he transcends things like that. Yeah, I think once he had been in this film, though, he was forever typecast as that sort of character. And if you look at his credits post the Karate Kid, it's very much either cameo and it'll be basically Mr. Miyagi or yeah, I be things I just like Miyagi so I think the only things I can recall him being in
1: after uh, the Karate Kid was obviously the sequels and then of course he did the next Karate Kid with uh, <laughs> Hilary Swank in fact I he was in a music video at Alien Farm, did a, mo- a song called Movies do you remember that? I do
0: remember uh, that yeah.
1: and he runs down to the cinema and jumps through the screen and I think that was the last time I think I can recall seeing him on screen. But anyway, um, rest in peace, Pat. Um, also, did you know the, is a really good one, which I had no idea about. The famous tournament song, You're the Best Around, which we've said three or four times, wasn't supposed to be used for this movie. In fact, it was originally written by the great Bill Conti and Ali Willis to be used in Rocky three. Uh, but it was ultimately replaced uh with Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Um, it was also turned down for Flashdance in favor of uh Michael Sambello's Maniac. Um, I mean, has I mean if you think about it, this song, how good it is, was so good it could still be declined by like you know, it just shows you that the decade itself, there was just such an abundance
0: of great songs for films, wasn't there? Oh yeah, hugely. The the, the montage song. Is just so uh, associated with the eighties that idea that the, the the lyrics of the of the song will closely mirror what's happening in the film itself, and you know use them to show the passage of time. That's so. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember when they parodied it? in, pa- do you remember when they parodied it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. Come on, get you get your act together. Do you remember when they parodied parodied it?
1: <laughs> you can't edit that out please please leave
0: that in do you remember when they <laughs> put the mick out of it in team america world police <laughs> i've actually never seen it a, oh fantastic film but they had a montage scene uh, i think the song was called you can do it with a montage but also i'm <laughs> thinking of rocky four as well you know when when uh, apollo's died and he's driving the car And we see the the montage of going up the hill and uh, carrying the logs and that sort of thing. It's great. Love it. (laughs) Here's a good
1: one for you. The four semi-finalists were Johnny Lawrence, uh, Bobby Brown, uh, Daniel LaRusso. And the other guy was a character credited only as Vidal. Now, he was, in fact, a true black belt. 10th degree, which means nothing to me, but a karate guy like you might know what 10th degree means. I assume it means very, very expert black belt. Um, but he was one of the most respected teachers in the sport. Um, and his involvement with the karate kid was not limited to the tournament itself. In fact, he was also the stunt double for Mr Miyagi when performing the crane kick on top of the beach stumps. Um, now, you watch that back. It, 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 no one... I have watched that film easy 50 times. And obviously, it, it's a silhouette, you can get away with it more. But it's never, ever even occurred to me that that wasn't Pat Mar- Marita, which is strange, really, because he's an old guy. Why would an old guy be able to balance so well and, and do the crane kick? But it was actually Vidal, um, who was the other guy from the semi-final. So there's one to allow for next time you watch it. And my last one uh, for the trivia was the referee in the final match was a guy by the name of Pat Johnson. Um, now he was also a karate expert, but he was also responsible for the choreography of the fight scene, which I don't know if you have any
0: comments on. I know it comes up in I'll listen to feedback. Um, but what did you think? Good job. I mean, it's one thing to uh, to have a fight, but to choreograph that in a way that it looks good on film, that doesn't come easy. You know, that's gotta be done with great care and great skill. And when it's done properly, it, it, it's, it's, you know, you notice it, you feel the energy and you do feel that energy there. It's one of the criticisms I think I think I've
1: got without kind of trying to um, sidetrack too much. It's one of the criticisms I've got with Cobra Kai: the choreography not as good, and, and I don't think the film, uh, the the show's too interested in in having entertaining fights. The show's got a bit more than that, hasn't it? Which is fine, but it definitely could do with a bit of work on its choreography. But I, I won't go any further than that. But
0: any trivia for me? Oh, absolutely, JD. It's one of those films that's packed with trivia. Uh, did you know that it was widely rumoured that Chuck Norris, is <laughs> that name pops up every so often, that he was initially considered for the role of John Creese, but turned it down supposedly because he was a, an aggressive character. Chuck always plays the good guys on screen. Now, the thing is, <laughs> these things are easily dispelled in the modern age, but you can imagine that rumour going around for 20 years. Chuck Norris has denied it, <laughs> as is the director of the film. But, but he, he actually did say... That if he was offered the role, considering the fact that, yeah, he is a, a negative character, he wouldn't have played it. Because when you think about it, I'm thinking of films where I've seen Chuck Norris as the sort of uh, military veteran from Vietnam missing in action, Low Wolf McQuaid, and he's definitely a good guy in these films, the Delta Force as well. Yeah, I actually remember him popping up once as was in WrestleMania um, uh, to guard the
1: ring from any potential wrestlers that wanted to run down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, w, WCW went with Robocop, WWF, now, now WWE went for the slightly more wise Chuck Norris, but anyway.
0: And, and slightly faster Chuck Norris as well.
1: <laughs> but Can he bend bars? Can he bend metal bars? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Save Sting. Well, It remains to be seen. Go go okay. On. Well, did you know that Ralph Macho, I mean, this is one of those things that I knew uh, since I was a kid, that Ralph Macchio was an adult when he played uh, the role. Of Danny LaRusso?
1: so I, I, well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I knew I was. I, I. I wouldn't say I knew he was an adult, but I do know there's lots of talk about his age, and there's been lots of you know internet memes going around about how Daniel now or Ralph now is older than Mister. How Mister Miyagi was in the film, which is quite extraordinary, isn't it? I think Mister Miyagi definitely. I don't know whether it was the, the way his, his costume or the makeup artist, but he, he appeared older than he obviously was in the film. But no, I, I've got to say. Well, actually, looking back, I don't know if it was a thing about 80s films, but the kids always seem to be played by young adults as opposed to kids, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I think that still happens now, to be fair. Uh, but but that, but Ralph Macchio was 22. Wow. Yeah,
1: Any he, and he kisses like that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, did you know, JD, that uh, after the scene where Daniel is chased by Johnny and his mates when they're dressed as skeletons... He, he receives a roundhouse kick to the chin. And after that scene, we actually see Daniel's got a, a bruise on his chin. And apparently that was a real bruise that he took during the filming. Ah, uh, no. Who, who was it? Was that by Johnny? Johnny, yeah. Well, no, didn't know that. Uh, did you know, JD, that the Karate Kid originally uh, wasn't going to end where it ended with the win and the smile and nod from Mr. Miyagi? it was actually going to have the parking lot confrontation at the end of the film. Whereas we know now, of course, that when they came back and made the second film, that they started off with the end of that film. Uh, but yeah, just just there was going to be an extra scene in
1: there. I didn't know. Uh, and again, that that's something that comes up in all is in the feedback. I'm glad it does end where it does. And, and I know people might disagree with that. Um, but it would seem strange to me to have such an a glorious ending like that, kind of curtailed and softened to only have this strange minor confrontation out in the park, or not, it, it just wouldn't have worked for me. I think that was the right choice.
0: Yeah, and it makes so much more sense to have that continuity into the second film. I'm trying to think of other films where you actually have the second film starts where the first one left off.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very rare, isn't it? I've got to say, I like it. I think it it, it definitely works for the Connecticut too. Which, you know, I think is quite a solid flick. And I don't know if it's because the continuation from No One just is so seamless. It it really is just like
0: a perfect continuation. Well, I can certainly think of one film where that happens, JD. Go on. Back to the Future 2. Ah, how
1: silly of (laughs) me. What's the other one in more recent years? I think one of the new Star Wars films, doesn't it? The End of the Force Awakens, I think. No, does it not? No, I don't know. We'll move on. Have you got any more trivia to share? No, we don't, JD. Let's move on. Okie dokie. Our first tweet came in from Earth616Survivor, at Earth616Survivor, who said, very simply, it was no blood sports LOL, um, which made me chuckle. I mean, I love blood sports. I don't know if you've seen it, JDog, but oh. it's uh, got, a, got a blood sport T-shirt just in the cupboard there, JD. It really is one of my favourite 80s films. And um, even though I love The Karate Kid more, it doesn't kind of take away how much I love Bloodsport. Two great films. Second tweet was from a... Please, as always, guys, if I do read your your name wrong, I do apologise. Helenon at Helenon1. It's hard to talk about Karate Kid now without bringing up Cobra Kai, which I love. But this film is iconic. The bond between Mr Miyagi and Daniel is really touching... It's a film full of heart and wisdom. Uh, I mean, that's something we've we've said, isn't it? The dynamic. It's Everyone can acknowledge that, can't they?
0: Oh, it's 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 heartwarming. It's touching. It's uh, a, a, an education. It's everything you'd want in a film. Where does it rank for movie
1: duos? I know you you're like R2 and um, C3PO, Wayne and Garth, Bill and Ted. Where, where does um, Mr Miyagi and Daniel Sam um, rank
0: for you? Well, you know, for many years, J.D., I actually grew up thinking that it was Daniel's son. And, you know, there was some sort of father-son relationship there <laughs> when I was a and,
1: and I bet you you're not alone in that. Um, I was also very new to that knowledge, and I, I love the category. Of this one. In, in fact, I would say it's my favourite film, which I'll, I'll save for my legacy, but even I didn't know it was Daniel son.
0: Do you know why it's Daniel son? Do you know what that actually means? Yeah it's uh my japanese is a little bit rusty but uh san is mister isn't it it is it, it, it's kind of just a, a way to address people properly isn't it uh, but there
1: you go some more lessons as well as movie reviews but we like that no ergonomics this week but i won't push you on that um here was another tweet it was a shit show at it was a shit show who said standard 80s flip uh, standard's are, a bit of a um a word that you don't hear too often about Gratty kids, unless it's used in, in, in a complimentary way. But anyway, standard 80s flick, but one that ends so abruptly, you wonder if they ran out of time to edit and put the actual ending on the beginning of part two. But people <laughs> should watch it just for the truly awesome Cobra Kai. Just
0: what we were saying before, wasn't it? Yeah, that hits the exact, what we've just been saying there about how the, the first didn't originally intend to, to end in the way that it did. I do get what he's saying there about the abrupt ending to it. Uh, I don't think that would be that would be something that would happen in a, in a modern film. Now it's it builds up and builds up and builds up. Then we have the fight, and then it is uh, trophy, well done, smile, end, and it is abrupt in that sense. I do get that. Is that a negative? Had a sort of at the time. I have thought, what you know, what's what's happened here. But I didn't see it at the time. I saw it within the context of the second and third films. So I knew that there was that continuity there. I don't know whether the people I mean, who made the film knew that, though, at the time.
1: What would we want to see if not the Daniel holding the trophy and, and, and Mr Miyagi's face? The, you know, The hero's journey, if you like, is complete at that point. What, what else would we need to see? Maybe. Do we need to see Daniel going back into school
0: and we the know. cobras acknowledging him in the hallway? maybe i thought yeah then, i mean that would be a way that it would be done now definitely but then would you want to be with them because that, it, that would
1: ruin it for me i'd hate that yeah you know come on why, why does it need to why do we need every little bit of detail i like it how it is anyway that's what i'm sticking to moving on bong ripper jack tripper at Libodi just put a gif up actually um with the words absolutely phenomenal well said um Kevin Smokler at Ouija or Ouija um, actually uh, sent me a tweet. It was an interesting one, this, um, which you might be interested in. He's actually um, an author, I believe. Please correct me, uh, Kevin, if I've got that wrong. But um, he actually um, spoke with William Zabka for a book he wrote. Um, I believe the book was called Brat Path America A Love Letter to the 80s. And he kind of said in his tweets that he recommended that when researching a beloved movie to try and get the perspective of the person playing the villain. Um, And obviously after speaking to Zabker about his role, he he was talking about how following the cratty kid, it wasn't so much that he was typecast. It's that most of the roles he was picked for was um, William Zabker satirising the role of Johnny Lawrence. uh, And obviously how that's allowed him to kind of do something slightly different, if you like. And it kind of, you see him pop up, I think it was in um, Hot Tub Time Machine and How I Met Your Mother. And it kind of popularized the view that Johnny's not the villain in the Karate Kid. And in fact, the famous sweep the leg scene, what we said as well about how Johnny has that look of fear in his face. That's become quite popular in the internet age. And and people are now revisiting the Karate Kid saying that uh, Danny was actually the bully. He, he kind of moved in on Johnny's girlfriend. It's only been a couple of weeks. In fact, they play on this in Cobra Kai. It's quite amusing, but uh, that that was really interesting from from Kevin. Thanks yeah. for uh, his tweet because I definitely I think it's something that we we don't do enough is looking at from a villain's perspective. And yeah, uh, thanks.
0: And that is interesting actually, and uh, interesting that you were able to speak to Billy Zabka as well. Yeah, when you look at things from the from the opposite side's perspective, it doesn't half make you think. Uh, I think the, the tropes and ideas. And the uh, classic cliches set up in those 80s films. Nowadays, we look at things from a different angle and we see things from a different perspective, don't we? So it's very much... We see the other side of things now in films. Uh, what that did just remind me of, just on a side note, is a, about 15 years ago, Clint Eastwood directed two films that were released about a year apart from one another, And one's called Flags of Our Fathers. And it's about the... Invasion of Iwo Jima, and then there was a sequel, which is about ninety percent in Japanese, called uh, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, which was about the exact same battle, but from the Japanese perspective. And this enemy, these evil, uh, you know, Japanese—the way they're portrayed in the first film—you know, got to kill them and, and all out, and they're our enemy. And they're quite faceless in that first film. In the second film, we see the complete opposite of that. And we learn that these are decent people, families, men of honour, generals wishing them to carry out their duty in the best professional way, knowing full well what it's going to lead to. And so we see that complete different side. But that was just the side note. Don't know if you want to say anything about that, J.D.? No, just to say that it's fascinating, isn't it? And and I do know
1: of the films that you you speak of, the Clint Eastwood films, I have seen them. They're fantastic. Uh, It just goes to show that if you watch the karate kid from the perception that Johnny Lawrence is the popular kid at school who um, loses his girlfriend, the new kid in the school takes her and then takes your karate tournament, basically. (laughs) In fact, his mentor actually beats you up. So there is some credence, I suppose, to the view that johnny's the victim in this movie but that would that that
0: would make a whole new podcast but we'll move on well i think Um, i think perhaps with the wonders of technology now people will be able to take clips from the film clips from cobra kai deep fake something together so that it you know you could almost like recut a trailer for a film you know, well, like... Look, the, what you what you can do with the internet now, I remember
1: seeing a, a trailer for Mary Poppins and how Mary Poppins was actually evil. And it, <laughs> when I first heard about that, it seemed almost absurd, but no, the, the trailer does it somehow. So there's some clever folk out there. Um, let's move on. Karen Nickel at Man, Man, Manson, Linic, Manson Links, who said, when my son started to do karate, I joined in later. I got this film for them to watch. We actually did a training move where I recreated the stork stance and movement, most gratifying. Now I need to teach them wax on, wax off from my car. <laughs> Absolutely. There's lessons to be learned from the karate kid. Discipline. Uh, if you want to teach your kids karate, house chores. Let's, let's see how that goes in, in, in the household. I don't think it's going to work too well. Chuck Tortellini, who uh, had the same handle name, who said, cheesy acting and clumsy choreography, but I think that was the point. Now, we had a
0: slight disagreement, I suppose, on that. We liked the choreography, didn't we, J-Dog? Yeah, I mean, it It, it fits in nicely. It reminded me a lot of Rocky when I was watching it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I suppose think... you call the Dispute the cheesy act, and there's some of that, of course. Oh, yeah, I mean, 80s films, absolutely rampack full of it. Combine the music with the cheesy acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, better, the reasons, and better it. This is one of the reasons to watch a film. <laughs>
1: Our last tweet came in from Marty Genetti's Istrad, Istrad, at Marty Istrad. I, I always say that one. a bit of a mouthful for me. One of my favourite films of all time has passion, good against evil, victory, love, a hero. It just has it all. I'm so glad Cobra Kai has been made. There's an offshoot of it. Tremendous, great soundtrack also. And I think we'd echo each one of those sentiments, wouldn't we? Oh, definitely. It's one of the best around, isn't it? Oh, it is. Um, you know, that's he, he mentions in that tweet there that, that there's a hero, and, and we said that, didn't we, before? Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. This is almost like, the, you could almost say it's the perfect film for is isn't it, about um, um, Daniel is this kid. And what, the Hero's Journey, isn't it? It's someone who has uh, troubles and tribulations, who ends up uh, overcoming the odds because of the influence of a wise mentor. And then, of course, Victory Secured. It is the hero's journey, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. That is the classic storyline. And Karate Kid nails it. 100%. I mean, it's a tried and tested formula, isn't it? You could watch 150 films all very different to one another and they would all have that formula, wouldn't
0: they? Oh, yeah, and it can be done in a way that's brilliant, like The Karate Kid, and it can be done in a terrible way. I'm thinking of a Stallone film called Over the Top. (laughs) Was it over the top? It was definitely over the top. Maybe that would be one of the subjects for a future podcast. It's so bad (laughs) it's good. Let's test your knowledge of the Karate Kid. Are you ready? Yes.
1: You and me. Okay, J-Dog, I'm going to fire three questions at you and I want you to fire your three after mine. What was the name of the school that the kids attended in the Karate Kid?
0: Oh, it's on a sticker on the inside of a
1: locker. Uh, wow you are <laughs> eagle-eyed because that is the only point in the film I believe it's shown. Oh, uh, South California High. Do you know what? Not a bad effort. There's, there is a direction in the title. It's not South. It's West Valley High School. Okay, West Valley High. Um. Okay, next one. The picture of John Crease in the Cobra Kai dojo, and I don't mean the cobbled cutouts, I mean the one in the frame. Yep. It has two things inscribed under the photo: his rank and what else. Uh,
0: Captain John Crease. Well, the, yeah, that is his rank. Yes, but it, it also has something else. 1972 U.S. Army Karate Champion. Correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow! Excellent. Well, in fact, I think it's 19. I don't know. If it's 1970 to 1972, so like a two-year karate champion, but. Absolutely spot on. Well in there. I'm surprised you got that one. OK, my last question for you. Uh, Johnny Lawrence was the lead Cobra Kai and defending champion and his friend and fellow Cobra Kai, Bobby Brown, who also reached the semi-finals. But well, can you name another two members of the Cobra Kai team? And I don't obviously refer to the sensei. In fact, I may have mentioned one earlier in the episode. You mentioned one earlier that began with a V? No. No. Vidal? No, no, he was um, from a different dojo.
0: I don't, it didn't. I don't think it references it, boy. He was in the oh, other this semi-final. This is really annoying. He this, was, in the cobra. this is really annoying. This because I think when Crease is uh, giving them a, a lesson, he names a couple of them. Then, uh, but they're also what the different scenes are. They the different fights, and I can actually tell you that one of them, and he's a guy with a sort of bleach blonde hair. He I know is what you're going to say. Steve McQueen's son in real life. That is That's right. What's his name? His character name. <laughs> his name was Dutch.
1: Okay. Um, You could have also had Jimmy. Uh, and, of course, you could have had Tommy. And Tommy is the one who utters the famous, Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! <laughs> so you, you failed on that last question, but you got two out of three, so not bad. Uh, two
0: out of three ain't bad. Right okay. go on. Okay JD. The we've talked earlier about the car which Miyagi gives to Daniel. Can you possibly name <laughs> the model of the car or even hazard a guess at the brand? You know me and cars. Um
1: what I know about cars is a bit like what you know about women. Um <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry, Jay. You're not editing that out, are you? I don't know much about cars. Uh, It looks like a beat-up to mate without the roof. I am really crap. Uh, It's just not my thing. I'm going to, as much as I love the Karate Kid, I don't know
0: the answer to that question. Okay, it's a 1948 Ford Super Deluxe Club convertible. You got the convertible part right in that. You said that it didn't. I'm I'm
1: having half a point. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, okay you may you may as well have said okay well it's got four wheels and it goes it's yellow <laughs> go on when, when Danny moves to his new apartment block he meets a new friend doesn't he oh by the way we don't see much of that friend if I remember rightly after those early scenes no. it's almost like once he gets beaten up by Johnny then his friend leaves him is that right
1: yeah, it, do you know, it's an inter- he's an interesting guy because when he first meets him, and, and obviously Danny kick does a kick, doesn't he? And he kicks him through the door, and then the, he, he kind of helps him with his, his his bags and takes. He's almost overly friendly, and you almost get the impression that this guy you don't trust him actually at first. No, yeah. um, and obviously, that proves, it proves to be the case because he obviously realizes that following getting beaten up, uh, he doesn't want to be his friend. Well. At least that's how I perceive it, because I think when he's laying on the beach, it's his mates telling him to leave him alone, leave him. He's not, you know, he's a wimp or something. So I think he has, there's a little part of him that maybe wants to still be his friend, but he's obviously um, taken in by peer pressure. But
0: are you about to ask me his name? No, not his name, actually. But (laughs) do you think I was going to go for something so easy as that, JD? (laughs) When he first helps Danny with his bags and whatnot, as we just mentioned, what does his T-shirt say? Mm. Oh, I'm annoyed. There's some great t-shirts in this movie, by the way. They, they really are. Um, some bar fashion as well. I'm thinking of when Daniel pairs a uh, plaid shirt with green camouflage trousers, like British Army 1980s camouflage trousers. <laughs> and at the same time, he's talking to Ali, who's wearing like a a a, a pink and yellow. Uh, plaid jumper of some description. Yeah, some strange
1: stuff going on. Uh, what was the question again? What, what was on his t-shirt? What was on his t-shirt? Um, oh, looking back, I, it, I can see it in my head. It, it feels
0: like it's very vivid colours, like an orangey pink. I can't think. Go on. Okay, you're, you're on the right track, JD. So an animal that's, that's generally regarded as being pink. Flamingo? a no, flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> i led you up the garden path there. Uh, it's a pig. Ah, uh, It's okay. <laughs> Any clues as to what the slogan is? Um, It rhymes with pigs. doesn't rhyme with pigs, but the slogan does rhyme. Oh, is it something to do with a pig, like hog? Okay, it says, you're never going to get it. it, says, making bacon. Ah. You know, see, I'm
1: letting myself down here. I love the kid, but I'm just not watching uh, T-shirt emblems
0: I will address. Okay. <laughs> uh, when, when Daniel's getting the mick taken out of him after he's been beaten up, and the, you know, the group of Cobra Kai are all shouting over at him, one of them shouts over, must be take a blank for a blank week. What are the two blanks? Say that again. Must be take a what? Must be take a blank for a blank we. Oh.
1: Is it something like wimp or poop or something? Am I on the right lines? We're on the first guess, almost.
0: Wimp. wimp.
1: So along the same lines as wimp. Same letter. Um. (laughs) Weenie. (laughs) <laughs> i'm talking
0: about <laughs> no, go on. what That's is it. it come on okay it's
1: uh must be take a worm for a walk week uh, it's funny because i actually watched it with the subtitles and did not see it i just obviously haven't absorbed it but i've let myself down again um, any more for me
0: or you're done yep last one jd you might get this uh it's written all over the posters but what date is the all valley karate championship
1: is it the 19th of December?
0: Oh, he's got it! But Come on, I've restored some dignity. Which, <laughs> which makes uh, brings up an interesting one, actually. Do you see any Christmas decorations in this film whatsoever?
1: None. None <laughs> at all. all. But, and, and you know what? I'm glad because it would be a distraction, wouldn't it? But, um, you know, California, it just it looked hot. <laughs> I mean, people were having beach parties. <clears throat> you know. Although, mind you, I haven't said that. I tell a lie, there was two months worth of training, wasn't there? Um so the film starts off in what well, October? Yeah, thereabouts. But uh anyway, let's move on. Okay, you you know me, I hate to say the obvious, but I, I, and I said it earlier on, but the crane kick finish gets me every time. I mean, I actually get emotional with those last moments, especially with the Miyagi head head nod. Um, but everything is just perfect. The, from the music, the choreography, the facial reactions, it's perfect. And as much as I want to kind of allude to Mr Miyagi being drunk, um, I, I certainly think from an emotional point of view uh, and in terms of character depth, Mr Miyagi being drunk is the show-stealer. Um, and it's the point in the film when it, it just it goes up a notch. Um, but I can't let it take the crown. That that will always be the crane kick. And... Um, And I assume from what you said earlier, you're going to pick the and I'm glad you are, because I would like to you know, get into it, which is the
0: Miyagi drunk scene. Absolutely, JD. Yes, this is one of the best scenes in the film. We see Miyagi drunk, uh, drinking bottle of he's got a sake out, hasn't he? And he's chanting and shouting and having a good old laugh. But really, there's a deep sadness there. He's got the picture of his wife out and also some uh, old newspaper stories from the time. I think up until this point, we may have made some assumptions about Miyagi. Being Japanese and being of a particular age in the 1980s, I think the assumption that people may have made about him was that he would have been a Japanese uh, soldier and would have been on the, the other side. There's a scene where it's just when they're coming back to the truck after they've been on the beach and two fellas are drinking and leaving the bottles on the fender of of the truck. And Miyagi says, kindly remove the bottles. And they start being racist to him. And that tells me that Miyagi's faced racism right through his life. Now, we then learn more about Miyagi. His wife, as you mentioned earlier, his pregnant wife died. So he does see Daniel almost as a a chance to, uh, the son he didn't have kind of thing. But this happened whilst Miyagi was fighting in World War II. And he wasn't fighting for the Japanese. Miyagi was actually a highly decorated US Army soldier. We see that because he's wearing his uh, his uniform. We also learn later, because Daniel looks through his belongings after he's gone to bed drunk or carried them to bed, that Miyagi actually received the Medal of Honor. So he's got the highest decoration that anybody could get. And yet, at home, he's faced this terrible turmoil. In fact, the reason why Miyagi's wife and child died was because, and he says this when he's drunk, he got called by his superior officer who gave him a note just to say, wife and child had died, no no doctor gets them. But the reason for that, she died in an internment camp. And this is what had actually happened. I don't know whether you know this during World War II, JD, but after Pearl Harbor happened, um, all people of Japanese descent, even if they themselves weren't even Japanese, weren't even born in Japan. And this actually happened to um uh who's the guy who plays Mr. Sulu? His name slipped me. George George Sakai. This happened to him when he was a boy. And he was he was born in America, if I remember rightly. Anybody of Japanese uh, descent was rounded up and put in internment camps. And many of those people actually lived on the West Coast because of the distance and proximity to Japan. A lot of people had moved there and migrated there to live in where the conditions were, were terrible for no reason. Just that the fact that now America was at war and therefore they were the enemy. So they were treated terribly. The racism was horrendous and that continued. Well, well we see it, don't we, in the film when those people make those racist remarks. So here's this great person who's fought for America. He's lost his wife, lost his child. And now we can see he's got this inner turmoil. And when we learn that, as you mentioned before, it totally changes the dynamic because we learn that Miyagi is not invulnerable. He's got his vulnerabilities himself. And it's just a perfect scene. Don't judge a book by its cover. Absolutely right. There's a saying (laughs) that is worthy of Mr. Miyagi himself, J.D., It's true. And, and, you
1: know, what we were saying about that scene before, I'm so glad you've talked about it and you've put that so brilliantly, is that it's not just what's said, it's what's not said. The film, that five minutes, there's a lot of clues just visually, isn't it? And and how to tell a story. They cram so much into that five minutes just with artefacts and newspaper cuttings. It's so well shot, but it also kind of elevates these characters at the same time. It is uh, worthy of being the best scene in the movie. Um, So thank you. Uh, I think that was excellent. Let's talk about uh, the legacy of The Karate Kid. Movie legacy. The Karate Kid, as as we said before, had three sequels, uh, which was The Karate Kid 2, The Karate Kid 3, and then one in the 90s, which was the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank, which didn't have Ralph Macchio, at least I don't think it did. It was um, a a girl, Hilary Swank, And then, of course, we had the remake with Jackie Chan and um, Will Smith's boy, which, you know, you know me, I I never take kindly to reboots and, you know, people always kind of dismiss them. It's not a bad film. It's actually slightly enjoyable. And Jackie Chan played as a good Mr Miyagi. It's quite good. Um, There was also an animated series of The Karate Kid. I believe it only had one season, Mm -hmm. um, but there was one. Um, In fact, I did remember reading about some of, some of the, the episodes, they were quite amusing, but anyway. There was also a music video released about 15 years ago by a band called No More Kings, and it was actually called Sweep the Leg. And I think uh, uh, William Zabka is in it, Ralph Macchio, a few of the Cobras. I mean, I even think Chris was in it, and Martin Crowe Martin is it? I
0: can't remember his name. now. or something like that.
1: Yeah, so they all come back in this music video. I don't know if you've seen it. And that was just a, a, a buzz of excitement just seeing them getting back into the roles. Little did I expect 30 years later, we'd have this TV show, which is not only um, well-received. I mean, I mean, if you go on to Netflix now, I, I think it is the most watched show globally, isn't it? I mean, how lucky are we to have a film that was so beloved, and here we are 30 years later. the continuation of that story, and it's so well-received again.
0: Yeah, that that music video that first appeared on YouTube about 15 years ago, uh, that was almost like our first glimpse of these characters after all of this, so it was very exciting, it was very fresh. It would be like if we saw something new of Back to the Future now, it'd be like, whoa, you know, an event, wouldn't it? Um, when Cobra Kai first came on and I was hearing about it, I was thinking, I'm sure I've seen something like this before. My mind was thinking back to that music video from about 15 years ago where Johnny was living out in a, a, a caravan or something, a trailer, wasn't it, out in the desert or something like that? With the other Cobras playing cards. <laughs> yeah. But in, in this series, uh, which had spawned, um, he is a washed-up loser, basically, at first. I don't know how the character develops into the series because I've only seen half of the first series, but we can see that you know he might have had it all in the 80s, but he hasn't got it now. In fact, in his head, in the character, he lives like it's the 80s still. And he's got, you know, his car is an 80s car, but all, all the paint's blistered on it and he hasn't got much and his life's just almost like, it's like his life just paused after all that. Danny LaRusso has gone on to do brilliant things. He owns a car. Uh, he's a car salesman. Well, he's I mean, he's more than that. He owns his own uh, motor company. You know, he's all over the television. He's obviously... I mean, he's, the, he, he's the douchebag. Um, yeah, but... I mean, it's fair to say that Karate Kid's probably never been so popular, hasn't it? Well, no, I mean, I've slated Netflix and on-demand television in the past, um, and, you know, I've said it's got its downsides of things, but it does have its upsides because I don't think this series would have ever come to light had it not been for these kinds of platforms through which them to come on. So there's a lot of potential there. If you think of some of the examples of TV series... That made. I'm. I'm not talking about film. I'm not talking about TV series that made it into films. I'm talking about films that made it into TV series. Nine times out of ten, it's a disaster. So let me just give you some examples. Ferris Bueller. Conan. Yeah. Ferris Bueller. Bueller. It was the, the kid okay. from uh,
1: Police Academy Seven, Mission to Moscow. Oh. I think he's one of. He's one of the. I think he plays Ferris. I'm
0: sure of it. He, he will be. Is it? It's not Scott Bio, uh Charlie something. He's in Diagnosis Murder as one of the doctors in that. That's a 90s Dick Van Dyke.
1: (laughs) What were the other shows that you
0: said turned out to be uh, disasters? So so Ferris Bueller, Conan, Rush Hour, Dirty Dancing, Look Who's Talking, Robocop. Now, they are horrendous. I've got some of those on DVD. (laughs) JD, you won't be too fond of the fact that there was an Uncle Buck TV series. Wow. And a weird science TV series, which we did mention in our podcast. Which actually
1: wasn't bad. You know, I, I, I actually confess to watching that. Um, it may have had something to do with Lisa, who was a very attractive woman, but it was a good, good, funny show. Obviously not unlike the film. Like I say, um, 1984. How many years is, is that now? Going back 36 years. And here we are, Karate Kid is, is back on top. Um, and that, that's really encouraging. And it, it kind of, if you look at the success of something like Stranger Things, again, which is it's taken something from the 80s and, and making it kind of, you know, in today's era,
0: there's a, a yearning for that kind of product, isn't there? There is not it theres I mean, 80s nostalgia, this is the strange thing. 80s nostalgia has been a thing for a very, very long time. Now, my sort of, I mean, I, I can remember being very young and growing up with these things. But that was still in the nineties for us. But I can always remember from the youngest of ages having a, 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 an affinity and a love for the eighties. The old, the eighties was a thing in the nineties. You know, it was its own identity. It's really strange because it always has been. You know, if we think of, if we think of the previous decade, and I'm not talking about 2011 to 2020. I'm talking about 2000 to 2010. There's nothing about that, to me, that seems,
1: you know. It, it, it felt like the first decade that didn't have an identity. It was a bit of a hogwash of everything and nothing. Yeah, and that's this is it. And this is because now
0: we're so post-everything. Everything's about nostalgia. Everything's about looking back. And I've noticed mm. in recent years as well, you know, we're getting on now in the sense that we're not so young anymore. But there's a lot of nostalgia for the 90s now, for children who were born in that particular period. They may not have actually, they may not remember it. They may have only been born in it. Their memories will be in those 2000s that we talked about, but that's where their nostalgia stands. But maybe you've just got to have a bit of distance away from it. But then that contradicts what I've just said in that in the middle of the 90s, I remember the 80s being a thing. So there we go. There's a reason why me and you are doing a podcast about it. Absolutely.
1: Anyway. I think it's at the time of the show where we hand out our rating. And as always, I offer that honour to you. So when you're ready to say 10 out of 10, I'll let
0: you do the honours. Yeah, there's no um, messing about or uh, suspense of a crane kick on this one, JD. It's a flat out 10 out of 10.
1: Well said. And of course, I couldn't agree more. Um, for me, it is the greatest movie ever made the greatest, and I'm not talking about, you know, on, on an Oscar level, I'm just talking about what is the film that I would watch above all others, and it is The Karate Kid. It has everything for me. that The soundtrack, the hero's journey, the overcoming the odds, the good acting, the, the, the relationship between Miyagi and Daniel-san, it's a perfect film, and I wouldn't change a thing. So everything after this is downhill for me. I mean, I'm sure we'll hand out a few more tens, but this is the pinnacle of the 80s in the pinnacle decade. Um, so if we ever do come across that for you, I think we may have with Back to the Future, might we? But yeah, that, that is how highly I regard this film. So there you have it. The Karate Kid is another one of our 10 out of 10s. And that wraps up episode 15 of the Seconds of Time podcast. As always, I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. Again, you can catch us on Twitter at Seconds of Time uh, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks
0: again. Thank you, everybody. It's been fantastic. Thank you, JD. Goodbye. See you next time, nerds.